Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. As you're finding Colossians 3, I want to read something. Pull the Lottie Moon thing up if you would. Uh, I came to you last week and encouraged you again to give and be part of Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal is 51000 uh, I got a note from Emma Martin. I don't think the Martins are here this morning. Emma's a sweet, sweet, precious little girl. And this is what she wrote. Uh, about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Have you planned to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering? If not, you need to. Well, the Lottie Moon offering sends every penny you give to missionaries, and these missionaries need this money. They work hard to tell everyone about Jesus. Then these people tell other people about Jesus. So you need to send money to the Lottie Moon offering, and you can be a missionary. So let's make, the, let's make the Lottie Moon offering goal this year. Remember to tell others about God. That, you, that way you can learn more about God. Let us make this year's goal in two big hearts at the bottom of the page. Wasn't that really sweet of her to do? Emma, thank you for that. If you're listening this morning from home, we really appreciate that. And I'm excited to tell you, last week I came to you and said our goal was 51000 I think last week we had about 43000 44000 I'm so excited to tell you this morning we have raised $72,190.37 for Lottie Moon. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, thank you for your generosity. Uh, again, I just want to I say this every time. I just want to just drive this home. Every penny you give is going to go overseas, and it's going to support somebody sharing the name of Jesus. And so I, I told our first service, you know, we write those checks and they, we pray about them and they mean a lot to us as they should, but we have no real understanding of the eternal ramifications of that money. Right, some missionary in some far off land is going to get that money, use that to train a local believer or to share the gospel with somebody or to do something in uh, somebody in need to help them so they can experience the love of Christ. So thank you for that. So excited about what God did there and so excited about what he's going to continue to do uh, through that money. One other quick thing that we're going to jump into Colossians. Marriage series starts next Sunday. Pray about that. Pray for me. Pray for our team. Pray for marriages. Okay? I'm telling you, I'm more and more concerned about the marriages of our church and our community, really, of our world. I think COVID has caused that to be a little worse. I think the stress level and all the anxiety that we're faced with right now has caused marriages to really struggle. And so we've worked a lot behind the scenes to kind of prepare on our end. Our team's gone through some specific training that I'm going to talk about next week. And we're going to make some things available to you. We have resources available to you to help you in confidence. Uh, we want your marriages to get well, okay? If you're struggling or maybe you're just kind of blah or, or you're on the verge of divorce, we want to help you because I believe the Christian home is, is the foundation of the Christian life and really the foundation of society, if you really know my opinion about it. I think it's a big deal that we have godly homes, men and women that serve the Lord. And I just want to tell you, no matter where you are in your marriage, I'm just telling you there's hope. There's always hope in Christ. He can repair and fix 
and mend broken hearts. And I pray through this series beginning next Sunday morning, he'll begin to do that. And so you be in prayer for that. You be in prayer for our team and for the marriages of our church. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. Before we delve in, I want to start with a question this morning. How many of you guys uh, maybe used to or still do collected baseball cards? Anybody? Any baseball card people in here? A couple of you, not many of y'all kind of like, yeah, I guess, maybe I did. I did. I'm, I'm excited to tell you I used to do that. I used to collect baseball cards. They were a big deal to me. I, I tried to find the, the specific cards that I wanted. Just so you'll know, uh, maybe you should have been a little more careful with the baseball cards you collected. Did you guys hear about the Mickey Mantle card this week? How many of you heard about the Mickey Mantle card? Two or three of you? So Mickey Mantle... A famous baseball player, played with the Yankees. His rookie card, 1952. Now, just so you're clear, I want to be 100% clear before I give you what's happening here. A baseball card is a little piece of cardboard. It's about this size. On the front and back, it's printed with the picture of the player and their stats. And for Mickey Mantle, this card was a rookie card, so there weren't any stats yet. Maybe where he was born, I don't even know what it said on the back of it. That card is in mint condition. There are not many I'm left in the world. That card this week sold for, you ready? $5.2 million. I know. I was like, what? I was like, where are my baseball cards? Where are my baseball cards? I can remember my dad telling me growing up, and this would have been his error, by the way. I'm, I can almost promise you that card passed through his hands at some point as a kid. promise you. Not that exact card, but one just like it. But there were so many of them back then, they used to come in bubblegum wrappers, right? You'd unpack the bubblegum wrapper, and you'd get gum and two or three baseball cards. They had so many of them, and some of you may have done this. He used to take his baseball cards, stick them in the spokes of the wheels of his bicycle so it sounded like a motorcycle. <laughs> as he drove. That's what he did with his baseball cards. And I was reading the article, and when they started making baseball cards, they weren't as popular, right? In fact, in 1960, Topps, who made this Mickey Mantle card, Topps in 1960, they had such a surplus of baseball cards. The, 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 uh, the article said they were literally dumping cards in the Hudson River because they hadn't sold them. Man, you think about how many Hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars worth of baseball cards floated down the Hudson River. You think about how many of our grandparents, maybe our dads, if you're like me, had those cards at one time, probably kept them in a shoebox, and one day somebody decided it's too junky, let's just throw them in the trash, right? When I was a kid, I kind of got into baseball cards a little bit. And if you know anything about baseball cards, you want like rookie cards. You want very uh, special, specific cards of specific players. And before there was internet access, if you wanted a baseball card, you went to a baseball shop. Believe it or not, they used to exist. There are not many I'm around now, if, if at all. I don't know where there is one now. But there were some baseball card shops here in LaGrange, a couple up in Atlanta I would go to. And I would go in with a list of the specific cards I wanted, right? And sometimes it was a lot of fun. I would trade cards. Sometimes you would just buy the card outright. But I had a list of cards that I was seeking. I want this specific card to add to my collection, right? As you get a little bit older, the toys get a little more expensive, right, men, ladies, right? We still like to seek things out. We still like to collect things sometimes, but they're a little bit more expensive. And, and sometimes for us now, if we're not careful, the things that we seek draw us away from the things of the Lord. It's very easy for us to seek possessions or or wealth, or fame. There are all sorts of things we can be seeking. But here's the question I want to ask this morning as we delve into Colossians chapter 3. What should we be seeking? 
There's a thousand things you can run after, and that doesn't mean they're bad. It's okay to have fun things we do, but the question is, are we seeking those things over the things that the Scripture calls us to seek? And so Colossians 3 is going to answer that question for us this morning. Let's just jump right in. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screen for you to follow along as well. The words of Paul. If then... You have been raised with Christ. That's just simply saying if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, where, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, I'm going to give you this first truth here like I do every Sunday. We're going to kind of draw truth out of the text, then figure out how we can live this out in our lives. Here's truth number one. Very simply, seek the things of the Lord. It's not rocket science. It's not some new revelation. It's not something we've never considered before. We probably all understand this. The question is, are we doing it? Are we actually really honestly, faithfully seeking the things of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of things in our world right now that's drawing our attention, right? Between the election and and politics and COVID and all the things with our economy, there are a lot of things that are drawing our attention, and those things matter, and and we should think about those things. But I want to remind you of the foundation that Paul kind of sets before us in this text. Right in verse 1, he says... If you have been raised with Christ, right? Jesus is always our foundation. And the Bible teaches that if we're followers of Jesus Christ, if we've trusted in him, if we've given our hearts and minds to him, then the Bible says we've been crucified with him. That's what Galatians 2.20 says. I've been crucified with Christ. Listen, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there's this understanding. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we have been crucified with Jesus. That means we've taken the old life, the old way of thinking, the old way of doing things, and we've crucified that life. We've killed it. We've done away with it in lieu of the new as follower of Christ, we said, listen, the way I used to live is gone. I'm now living to follow him in all things. There's this bond we have with Christ and salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection, right? So if you find yourself in that category, if you find yourself in the category of follower of Jesus, Christian, crucified with Christ, and here's what Colossians 3 teaches. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. That's our calling. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to seek the things that are above. You say, what are we talking about, the things of, uh, above here? Are we talking about clouds or the sky? No, the Bible is real clear in Colossians 3, and Paul kind of mentions this four different times. So I want you to see it. I want you to notice it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who's your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Right? Our, our focus, our hearts, our minds must look to Jesus for all things. This is a picture of his greatness. 
It's a picture of his glory. I used to have a a seminary professor who used to talk to us about how we have sometimes gotten over our salvation or we've kind of gotten over grace or we've kind of gotten over how good the Lord is. I, I talked last week about sometimes our children, my children, and even me especially, sometimes we take for granted how good we have it now in America. You understand that, right? And I had a man come up to me, he's a little bit older, and he said, you know, Adam, he said, you're exactly right. He said, I feel the same way sometimes. I take for granted. My grandkids take for granted. My kids take for granted. He said, the reason we take things for granted is because we've never had it bad. We've never had to really struggle. And I use the example of my grandmother and how she lived through the Great Depression. And I was talking to our deacons this week and used the example about how my granddaddy used to save everything, right? And he used to cut the wrapping paper off of presents. How many, how many granddaddies used to do it? Raise your hand if your granddaddy did that. Anybody else save the wrapping paper? A few of you? Yeah, save the wrapping paper. Right, we take things for granted now because we've never had it bad, right? It's so good, it's hard for us to imagine it any other way. It's like that with our walk with Christ. It's so good for us. It's so easy for us. A lot of us have never faced challenges in our faith. We don't know how it could be. And so we've kind of taken for granted the goodness and the glory and the majesty of Jesus. Like the hardest thing for a lot of us, as far as our Christianity is concerned, is just to get up early and get our kids dressed and get to church on time, right? <laughs> That's a hard thing. And yet we see in Scripture this picture of the glory of who Christ is. We see it in these verses, right? We talk about his rule there in verse 1. He's above all things. We see that he's, he's seated at the right hand of God. That's in verse 1. Verse 4, Christ is our life. Verse 4, we read about his glory and his majesty and how we should follow him in all things. And so we see this picture kind of emerging from Colossians chapter 3 that if we're believers, we understand the glory of Christ, we understand his greatness, and we begin to seek out more and more who he is in our lives. And we see that in verses 1 and 2. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And so we kind of come to this place in our lives where we have to begin to make these decisions. If we're a follower of Christ, if we've been crucified with Christ, which Scripture teaches, if we're uh, believers and we're serving him, then we should be seeking him. We should be following him. So the question we have to begin to ask is, not is it wrong to seek other things, but where does our true allegiance lie? Right? Are we more interested in seeking the things of this earth than we are of Christ? That's what Paul's trying to get at here. Are we seeking Christ? Are we trusting him in all things? And so we kind of go into these specifics now in verse 5, right? He's kind of put this out to us. We need to seek the things above, seek the things of the Lord, set our minds on him. And then beginning in verse 5, there are some specifics. Colossians 3, 5, we have it on the screen for you. Put to death, therefore, and notice those words. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeking that you have put off, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all 
and in all. So we see this idea kind of building in Colossians 3. Because we're followers of Jesus, because of the glory of Christ, we seek him above all things. Then truth number two, we should be renewed in the image of the creator. We should be renewed in the image of the creator. As we see his glory, as we see his majesty, as we seek the things of the Lord above the things of the world, we are renewed more and more into his image. Now, we all understand, especially the older we get, we understand that we're surrounded by worldly things and we have to be careful because influence in our lives matters, right? And the people we surround ourselves with matter. And the things that we do and the music that we listen to and the music, I mean, the movies that we watch, all those things matter to us and they affect us and they influence us. 1 Corinthians 15, 13 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And so we have to kind of guard ourselves. And and this is a, a struggle sometimes for younger people. We have to guard ourselves against being surrounded by people that have uh, the wrong ideas or the wrong thoughts or are leading us to a bad place because influence matters. And so Paul kind of gets that. He understands the significance of the things of the world. And so he uses a phrase in verse 5 that's very strong. as He's thinking about comparing the things of the earth to the things of heaven and setting our thoughts and our minds on Christ, he uses some strong words there in verse 5. Look at what he says in Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Notice he doesn't say, it's not really a big deal, just forget about it. Notice he doesn't say, let's dabble a little bit in it, nobody will ever know. Notice he doesn't say, look, let's just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it's never happened. He says, you need to put it to death. Like that's the strongest words he could have used to help us understand what a big deal is. Listen, we need to think about the things of the Lord and the things of earth that draw us away from him. We need to put those things to death. And then he gives this list, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these... The wrath of God is coming. Now, I spent a lot of time reading this week about verses 5 and 6, and I wanted to understand these words and these terms and kind of what they meant. And and the more I studied, the more I began to understand that Paul speaks about sexual immorality a lot in Scripture. And he uses a lot of different words and a lot of different phrases. Uh, But at the heart of this idea is sexual immorality. So whether it's impurity or passion or evil desires or other types of words he uses in other scripture, it's the idea of sexuality. And I I just want to spend just a couple minutes. I'm not going to spend a long time here. But I want to speak to us in this particular context, especially younger people, because our world is filled with sexuality, right? And by the way, moms and dads, if you don't believe that, just spend a few minutes on social media. Just get on TikTok or get on Instagram or uh, some of these other uh, things that kids are using because it's just out there and it's common and it's pretty clear. And our kids, I'm just telling you, are being bombarded with it. It's not like it used to be with us, right? If we wanted to hear bad words, we had to go to a movie typically, pay money. If we wanted to look at bad pictures, we had to pay somebody to buy something in the store. Not like that anymore, parents. 
not like that. There are influences out there that are grabbing the hearts of our kids, and there's a battle being waged for the minds and the souls of our children, and a lot of it is based on sexuality. And so I just want you to hear just very simply, very clear. I'm not going to go into detail. Happy to talk to you about this later if you want to know more. But sexuality is a great gift that God has given us. We don't need to be afraid of it or embarrassed of it. It's a great gift that God has given us, but it's designed to be enjoyed within the bonds of marriage. Let me just say that again. Sexuality is a gift that God has given us to be enjoyed within the bonds of marriage. And so the Bible teaches very clearly sexuality of any sort outside of the marriage, whether it's before marriage or with someone else while you're married, those things are sins. Now, I know that's not popular, and I know that's not what a lot of people are saying, and a lot of people are afraid to talk about it, but it is what Scripture teaches. And you may be thinking, man, that's just old school, Adam. You need to wake up and realize there's a whole other world out there, and everybody's doing this, and it's normal. Well, everybody might be doing it, but that doesn't make it right. And I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, I've had have enough world experience, and I'm not as old as some, but I'm a lot older than, than a lot of you guys, and I've had the experience in talking to people and understanding. I just promise you, if you make the decision, listen to me, students, if you make the decision to keep yourself pure until marriage, once you meet that person and fall in love with that person you'll spend the rest of your life with, you will not regret it. Promise. <laughs> promise. What we do instead is we try to speed this thing up and we get involved sexually and all the things and and we get in this kind of a lifestyle and we think this is going to make us happy and bring us joy. And then eventually somewhere down the road, we find that one person we want to spend the rest of our lives with and we look back at all that we've done here and we say, man, I wish I just saved myself for this. Now, let me just be clear. If that's you now, there's forgiveness in Christ. There's absolute forgiveness in Christ. And so if you've made that decision and, and maybe you're convicted by that, God will forgive you. God loves you and wants to have joy in your life and hope in your life. But these scriptures are here for a reason to protect us and to help us understand this is the way God calls us to live. And it's not because he wants to give us a list of things to do and not to do. It's because he's got a glorious picture for us. You understand that? He's got a glorious gift that awaits us. And he wants us to trust him and to listen to him. So Paul immediately says, listen, flee from these things. Put them to death. Get them out of your life. He goes through other things too in verse 7 and 8. Anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk and lying. And by the way, uh, if we just wanted to kind of every day walk through this list and ask ourselves, listen, am I struggling with these things? Have I gotten angry today? Have I shown wrath today? Have I slandered anybody? Have I used any obscene language? Have I lied to anybody? Paul says, listen, put these things to death. Do away with these things. Get rid of these things. Now, here's what some of you are saying. Listen, I get it. I see that. It is scriptural. I I understand, Adam. I've struggled with some of these things. I want to follow Christ. I want to love him. I want to live a life of hope and joy. Adam, just give me a a list of things to do, right? Just give me a to-do list or some boxes to check or some, uh, some, some words to fill in on blanks. If I can just have something to do, then I feel like I'll figure all this out. Let me just be very clear with you. There, there is a place for that, right? 
It's good sometimes that the Christian life involves checking boxes and, and filling in the blank. But I want you to listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, just before he gets into this idea of the glory of Christ and, and focusing on things above. He's kind of lifting our eyes above the things of the earth to the things of the heaven because of the glories of Christ and his majesty and his beauty. Just before he gets to that, in the second chapter of Colossians, beginning in verse 20, here's what he said. If with Christ... You died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why, if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Verse 21. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-religion. Here's what he goes on to say. They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Here's what Paul means. Paul says, listen, some of y'all have these lists of things. Don't do this. Don't do that. And you just want to look at a list and you think Christianity is simply about following a to-do list. It's not. Paul says, if you think Christianity is about following a to-do list, you're missing the glory of Christ. Instead, it's about seeing the glory of the Lord. It's about seeing his power and his majesty. And then in verse 9 and 10, he kind of sums this up. Look at it again. Pull 9 and 10 up. Don't you know, see this idea of the image of the creator, right? Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. Watch. And have put on the new self, here it is, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Right? Christianity isn't a to-do list. Christianity is understanding we've been created in the image of God, and he's got a glorious, wonderfully beautiful plan for your life. And when you try to short-circuit that by figuring out yourself, when you try to short-circuit that by doing the things of the world, you miss his blessings, and you miss his glory, and you miss his hope, and you miss his peace. Right? So we, we've seen this idea of the, the glory of Christ, seeking the things above. Because of that, we're renewed now more into his image, growing in our walk, putting off the things of the world. And then verse 12, Colossians 3, 12, we wind this thing down. Put on then, right? So we've seen the things we're supposed to put to death. What should we be doing instead? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, right? You should have compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, watch this, forgiving each other. That's a good one. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. By the way, just a little side note right there. The next time you have trouble forgiving somebody, think about all the things that Christ has forgiven you for. Right? If Jesus is able to forgive you for all you've done, surely you can find a place in your heart where you're able to forgive the person that did wrong to you. That's what the Bible says. Now, verse 14. And above all, right, above all this, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body to be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed or everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here's truth number three. We should very simply love like Jesus, right? We put our eyes on the things of the Lord. We put to death the things of the world. 
We grow and are renewed in the image of Christ. And when we begin to do that, we find this ability through the love of Christ to love others just like Jesus loved us. I think it's very interesting that Paul uses a kind of a set of words and phrases or compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. All those things are good and important, and we should do those things. But he says in verse 14, above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Right? And so we kind of see these, these three ideas here, to love the love of Christ, the peace of Christ, and the word of Christ. As we think about loving others, we, we start getting into this mindset. If you're like me, you, you kind of start thinking like this. Listen, I'd love to love them, but, but man, they've done some bad things to me. Maybe you're thinking, Adam, you, you just don't have any idea uh, what this person has done to me or what they've said to me or how they've acted to me or, or, or acted against me or mistreated me. You, you have no idea. This, this person really just doesn't like me. How can I love them? Think about Christ. Think about the way in which Jesus was mistreated. Think about the lies that were told about Jesus. Think about how Jesus was arrested, his beard pulled out, spat upon, a crown of thorns placed upon his head, beaten, dragged basically to Golgotha, put on a cross and crucified. And as he's dying, he looks down upon the people and says what? Lord, just forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I just feel like if Jesus could love me like that in the midst of all that was going on in his life, surely we can find the ability to love others, right? Above all, put on love. Are you loving people that are unlovable? That's the question. Are you loving people that mistreat you? Are you loving people that you don't like? Are you loving people that don't like you? Are you loving people that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't think like you? Above all, put on love. And then Paul talks about the peace of Christ there in verse 15, reigning in our hearts. You know, no, no matter the political environment, no matter the economic environment, no matter the, the pandemic environment, the cultural environment, we need to find peace in Christ. And then very simply in verse 16, we do this through the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's something far greater than this world. That's what we need to understand, right? We, we get so caught up sometimes in the things of the world. We need to understand there's, there's something far greater than this world. There's something far greater than the things that this world offered, offers. There's, there's something that brings us hope and peace and joy, and something that fulfills our deepest longing. It's not found in following a set of rules or checking a set of boxes. It's found only in Jesus, in loving him and following him. If you leave with one idea this morning, it's this, very simply, trust Christ. Follow him in all things and find the hope and the love and the joy and the peace that only he can offer. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you again for Colossians chapter 3, Father, for the clear picture of who Christ is, of his love, Father, of the gift that he's given us, Lord. As we put our, our faith and trust in you, Lord, it allows us to look to heaven, to set aside the things of the earth, to be renewed more and more in the image of Christ, and to love like Jesus. Father, give us the ability to do that, to live for you, to love for you, to live out our faith in a very real and, and powerful and profound way, understanding that there are things far greater than ourselves. 
Help us to live for you in all things, Father, to do great things for the sake of your kingdom. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.